welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Good morning. Everyone, do me a favor. Stand up, please. Simon says, now repeat after me. Go ahead and just shout it out as we say it. He is a good, good father. He is a good, good father. And, and, I am loved by him. I am loved by him. He is a good, good father. And I am loved by, you don't have to repeat that now. He is a good, good father, and I, we, us, you, are loved by him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you have walked in the past. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter maybe the thoughts you had as you were driving in this morning. It doesn't matter whether you cut someone off in traffic. It doesn't matter what you thought of of the person who cut you off in traffic. It doesn't matter the the feelings you get if it's snowing outside, anger or happiness. It doesn't matter. He is a good, good father. And he loves us, every one of us, unconditionally. That's who he is, and that's who we are. Loved by the good, good father. Now you can be seated. Simon says, for a couple of you that were playing along. So we are in our series, Veritas, truth. Or as Martin says, truth. The first week we talked about the Bible. And we started by saying, this is God's word. And it is 100% written by man, but it is also 100% written by God. And this is the baseline. This is the foundation for all that we believe. Everything in it is true. We said that you can't, you, you can't just believe half of what's in this. Because when you believe half a truth, you live half a life. So that is, this is it right here. God's word, 100% truth. We then went into the idea of how God created and who God created. He created us. He created the world. He created animals. He created the planets. He created water. All of it, he created it. But he created us in a special way. We are created in his image and his likeness. That means something. That means something. It means that we are special to him. He actually took the time as he formed the dust of the earth and breathed life into it. Imagine the picture of that, the creator of the universe getting down on his hands and knees in the dirt and breathing life into that dirt man. He breathed his life into us, and because we have his life, his breath in us, we are special. There's something truly unique about how he created each thing, but then chose to create us in his image and his likeness. It means that we're worth something. We're valuable. Each and every one of us, regardless of whether you feel chewed up and spit out, you are valuable to him. Last week, we talked about sin and the fact that of all of the trees, of all of the fruit, of everything that was available to Adam and Eve, he, God spoke to them and said, this one thing, this tree, 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that fruit. You can have anything else, but please don't eat from that tree. And they chose Adam and Eve because he also gave us the ability to make choices. They chose in that instance, and that is truly what sin is, they chose in that instance to not believe God. And that is truly the root of all of our sin in anything that we do, in in anything that we live out, any action that, that is sin, it's an action where we just choose in that instance to not believe God. I don't believe you about this situation. I don't believe you about that. I don't believe... And so we choose to do things because we choose not to believe God in those instances. And that sin separated. We, we read where uh, in Genesis where God walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening in the garden. He met with them and he spent time with them. He desired to be in relationship with them. And then they ate of the fruit and separation came. If you've got your Bibles, Genesis chapter 3. If you're brand new to the Bible, if this is your first time ever in church, if you've never heard of a Bible, if you have one, Genesis chapter 3, it's very simple. It's the first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, we're going to start with verse 7. And it says this, Then the eyes of both Adam and Eve were opened, and they knew that they were naked. It's interesting, when, when, because there's, there's, a, there's a statement found in Scripture, they were naked and had no shame. They were naked and without shame. It's because there was nothing wrong with it. I mean, that's, we were created in the image and likeness of God. And so in their nakedness, that's just what they knew. But somehow when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, when they ate from the fruit, their eyes were opened. And when their eyes were opened, they all of a sudden realized, we're naked. And so when their eyes were opened, they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They covered up. Our first reaction always, when we, when we realize, like, I can't believe I just did that. What's our first reaction? We always want to cover up. We always want to hide those things. We always want to, like, let's pretend it didn't happen. So let's just you know, sew some fig leaves together, cover that up. We always want to cover things up when, when, when they are brought out into the light. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? Now, I just, I don't know if it's just my twisted mind. I love the picture of playing hide and seek with God. Really? And, and God was nice enough to kind of play along like, Adam, you know, omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-everywhere. Um, Adam, where are you? It's like when you play hide-and-seek with your, you know, like your three-year-old. Yeah. You can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So God says, where are you? And he said, Adam said, I I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to? We heard you and we were afraid. We heard you and we were afraid and so we hid. Sin separates us from God. Sin throws upon shame and guilt and all these different feelings. That's not the relationship that God desired. We were created by God, so we're in relationship with him. But God also wants fellowship. But because of our sin, humanity broke the fellowship with God. Humanity broke their fellowship with God because of sin. The basic concept here is God is holy, God is pure. And because God is holy and pure, and we are sinful, foul, filthy, dirty, he can't be in fellowship with us. He can't be in fellowship with us because he's pure, he's holy, he's righteous. And he can't be in the company of sin. And so the fellowship was broken. They hid themselves from God. It's interesting, um, the idea of grace, the concept of grace, it's, it's really, it's first understood right, first and foremost, right here in this chapter, where we read that God killed an animal and covered them with its skins. Like they, the first fur jacket was created by God and it was done, it's, it's an aspect of grace. Grace, it's that God addresses Adam's fear of being naked and that first blood sacrifice was established by God, that first blood sacrifice established by God by killing this animal to clothe Adam and Eve with this skin. God and Adam were in fellowship and when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid because of their shame. But when you look at God's posture after the sin took place, God initiated and pursued. God went into the garden. He knew what happened. He knew that they had eaten the fruit. But he went into the garden to walk with them as was their custom, to spend time together, to fellowship with each other. God pursued them. I want to tell you, regardless of where you're at, regardless of what you've done, regardless of maybe what's happened to you, the place you find yourself in where you say, man, I'm not good enough. God could never desire to be in fellowship with me. That's a lie from hell. He pursues you. He chases after you, regardless of what you've done, because he loves you. His desire is to have fellowship with you to be connected with you, to be able to spend time with you, talk with you, to hear from you. That's God. That's who he is. He desires greatly to be with you. God's posture. He initiated and pursued after Adam and Eve, not to beat them up with guilt, but he addresses their fear. He covered them up and he was wanting to reestablish the fellowship that he had with them. 
Verse 21 sp- you know, states that, you know, then God took animal skin and covered them. He covered their sins. He covered their fear. This is the first shedding of blood to cover sin. We'll talk about that more. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it speaks about without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission, no forgiveness of sin. There's a blood sacrifice, and it, be, it began there, and it carries on, and we'll talk more about that in a little while. But this act of, of covering, this act of, um, well, it's all about grace. It's God's grace. Salvation is of grace. The animal was God's gift and not the work of man. When you read the creation story, it wasn't man who created animals. God created it all. And he chose of his creation to put to death something so that he could get the skin and he could cover them. The Lord furnished the skins to cover Adam and Eve. They did nothing, absolutely nothing, to satisfactorily cover themselves. Think about this for a minute. A fig leaf. Come on. That's your best effort? You can't cover much with a fig leaf. God saw their inability to cover their sin, to cover their nakedness, and he met their need. The only sacrifice God will accept will be his work and his gift. We'll talk about that even more next week. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and he clothed them. God did it all. That's the way grace operates. God wanted the fellowship back. They broke the fellowship, but God wanted the fellowship back. You know the Chili's commercial? God was the originator. You know, the ding, ding, did it, ding, ding, did it, ding. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my... That was God's song. He wanted his baby back. I created you. You were, you are, I love you. I want you back. He wanted his baby back. He wanted to spend time with them. He wanted to hang out with them. He wanted to talk with them. It's interesting, the idea, because I've said, like, we're in relationship with God, but he wanted fellowship back. We are in relationship with God. The same way, if, if you were born of a woman, you have a relationship with that woman. She's your mother. There's nothing that can change that. You will always have a relationship with that woman. But you may not have fellowship with that woman for one reason or another. Maybe you were given up for adoption. Maybe, maybe you were handed off. Maybe, maybe you've just cut ties with your mother. There's a relational connection. Always will be. But you may not have fellowship. The best illustration I can give for you um, for, for this idea of relationship and fellowship is not mine. I'm stealing it because to me it just makes sense. And I love the fact that I can actually share it in this context because some would say, man, he takes things way too casually here. Jerry Dearman, um, pastor of the, the Rock Church out in San Diego, or, yes, uh, Anaheim, somewhere in Southern California, doesn't really matter. Um, also, the, um, the, the teacher in the, uh, the videos and the, the, the teachings that we hear uh, in OSL, Operation Solid Lives, which begins tonight. But Jerry Dearman shares this example of the relationship that he had with his father. Now, his father was a stern man. He was a large man. Um, you know, he, was, he was a disciplinarian to his, to his sons. And I guess if you have a bunch of sons, that's, 
the kind of father you need to be. Stern and disciplinary, you know, love. But there was one day when Jerry was in high school. He was a teenager. And it was a hot summer day. And I don't know, his dad had been, we'll say, out at the pool. But Jerry's dad was a large man. He was a stern man. And he was a hairy man. And Jerry came around, or his dad came around the corner. He was in the kitchen at the time. And his dad came around the corner from like the living room or something to the, into the kitchen. And Jerry did what a teenage boy would do because they find these things funny. Um, you've, if you're a teenage boy, you know where I'm going. You know the, the a, a tea twister? Not going to say the other word, but you know. Well, Jerry... Jerry's father came into the room and Jerry, as a teenage boy, just grabbed his dad and went, um, instantly his dad went, hey, 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 I don't do that. Like, knock that nonsense off. And he got all upset. Jerry was in a relationship with, a, with his father. That will not end. He is father's son. But at that very moment, Jerry had no fellowship with his father. They weren't going to hang out and talk for a while. The fellowship had been broken. Do we understand now the difference between relationship and fellowship? God desires fellowship with us, where we'd be in right relationship with him, where we would be able to walk and talk with him in the cool of the evening, that we'd be able to hear from him and he would hear from us. That's why we here at Grace Capital Church, we talk about, you really need to journal. It's not so, like, you really need to just diary, you know? You need to write your thoughts down and just express yourselves. You need to journal. Journaling is reading God's word and then writing down, God, what are you speaking to me? And we we say this because if this is God's word, if this is how, like, one of the primary ways that we can say God speaks to us, if this is the primary way that God chooses to speak to us, now he uses dreams, he uses visions, he uses, like, you, you have a feeling, you, or I, I have audibly heard from God. He speaks in different ways, but this is the primary way that we all have the ability to hear from God. This, if you need to hear from God, if you desire a relationship and fellowship with God, this is something that should be a daily practice that you spend time in God's word day after day after day so that he can speak to you, so that he can give you direction, he can give you insight, he can give you wisdom. He can speak in such a way that you have fellowship, not only speaking to you, but you can speak to him. Prayer, the idea of being able to talk with God. I know for some people, prayer is like this foreign concept. I can't pray, I don't know what to say. If you're in fellowship with someone, what do you say? If you're meeting with someone for coffee, do you go, ah, I really don't want to get together with coffee, you know, for, I just don't know what to say. You're just having a conversation with God. You're talking with him. You're sharing with him your, 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 your needs, your desires, your wants, but you're also sharing with him your hurts, your hardships. You're crying out to him and, and just allowing him to hear from you because you're also hearing from him. And he speaks, and we can receive from him. That's fellowship, being able to spend time daily connected with God. He's a good, good father, and we are loved by him. That's the idea of fellowship. So we got the idea of relationship versus fellowship. God pursued us in the midst of our sins, 
And he continues to, to pursue his people. He does this through this covenant relationship. Covenant relationship? What's this covenant? Covenant relationship. If you have your Bibles, again, chapter, or, uh, yeah, chapter 19 of Exodus. Exodus, you were just in Genesis. Just turn to the very next book. Right after Genesis comes Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 19, this is the covenant. This, is, this sums up what God wants from these people. And in Exodus chapter 19, beginning with verse 4, God is speaking to Moses, and he's telling Moses what, he, what Moses will convey, what will, Moses will speak to the Israelites. He says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So God is speaking to Moses and telling him, this is what you're going to say. And this is the promise I'm going to make. A covenant is a formal agreement. It's an agreement that you make between one person and another. Or in this case, one person, one God, and one people, the Israelites. And this covenant that he's making is you will be my treasured possession. I love the idea of treasured possession. I love the idea of this, like God sees us not just as his minions. God sees us not just as people to get things done for him or, you know, little ants that he can punish if they mess up. He views us as his treasured possession. Treasured possession. It's, it's a beautiful um, uh, it's just a beautiful picture. Song of Solomon, chapter six, refers to us, I am my beloved and my beloved is mine. That's the relationship, that's the fellowship that God desires from us. If we're his treasured possession, he loves us and we love him. It's a mutual relationship, mutual connection. But this covenant, it's a, it's a binding divine agreement Earlier, you can read in Scripture where God makes a covenant with Abraham. Actually, at the time, it was Abram. And then he makes the covenant with Abraham. He changes his name. But the covenant he makes, he, and this is kind of a graphic picture, but an animal ripped in half and laid on the ground, and the vision of this fiery cauldron, this, this fire pit, um, this, like, think like lava pouring out of a big pot, crosses between the two halves of the animal. And essentially what God is saying, now this is God making a covenant with one man. This is God making the covenant, not Abraham making the covenant with God. But essentially what God is saying is, if I break my covenant, if I break my agreement with you, let this be done to me. That's the serious nature involved in a covenant. And God's making a covenant now with all of Israel, with all of his people. You will be my treasured possession you will be a nation of priests. You, to me, you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. All you need to do are these few simple things. And then he goes on, because with any covenant, with any um, agreement, this formal agreement that we would make, there needs to be conditions. I will do this if you do this. 
A plus B equals C. I don't know, one plus one equals two. There's an equation that adds up here. And God's saying, if you do this, if you follow my commands, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, then this will be. You'll be my treasured possession, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What are the conditions? What are, what are the boundaries that, that are set in the place? If you read later on in Exodus chapter 20, it starts with the Ten Commandments. Just ten things. And then Exodus 21 Laws about slaves and how you'll treat others. Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. Uh, Laws about restitution. If you have a goat and your goat wanders onto someone else's property and on that property someone decided to dig a hole and never filled it back up and your goat falls into that hole and dies, the owner of that land where the hole was, where the goat fell, I'm starting to sound like farmer in the Delna, but... um, that, the owner of that land now needs to make restitution, needs to pay you back for the loss of the life of your goat. There are different laws in place here. If a man gives to his neighbor money or goods to keep safe and it's stolen from the man's house, then if the thief is found, he shall pay double. There's all these different laws and rules. You've got to keep these things in order to be in covenant with me. We can't even keep Ten Commandments straight. And yet, I mean, as you read through 660 plus laws, it, it, and really when, when we view God in this light, this whole idea of religion, do's and don'ts, that's where we can start saying, you know, yeah, you're just here to, you know, God, God just wants to control me. When really, when we, when we seek the heart of God and we understand more and more, it's all about a relationship. This, this whole God thing is nothing about religion. Religion kills. Relationship is what God desires. He wants to be with us. He wants us to know him and he wants to know us. It's relationship. It's not religion that God is trying to establish with his people. It's interesting, when you, when you read through, um, yeah, Moses speaks all this. Uh, Exodus 19, verse 8. Moses speaks all of this to the Israelites. And what do the Israelites say in return? Yeah, just keep, obey my voice. Keep my commands. They say in verse 8, all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And in parentheses, the first time that God laughs, at least in my mind. We'll do everything that you say, God. We'll never let you down. All that you say, we will do. It's the first joke found in the Bible because we can't keep it straight. We, we sang a song this morning. You're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. And he is. God is perfect in all of his ways. His plans are true and right and perfect. They are precious. Us, not so much. That's the problem. The problem is we are not perfect. And regardless of what we say we will do, regardless of what we agree to, we can't keep this. We can't do this. You want to talk about a frustrating life 
Like, just do this, 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 these things over there, that and those. Just keep those things and we'll be in good relationship. We'll be in covenant relationship. This is going to be kind of a, a bummer of a message because really, this is how it ends for us today. Next week, we get to talk about God's solution to that. Like, this was his first plan for us. Well, his first plan was just great fellowship in the garden. And that got messed up because he's dealing with humans. He's dealing with us. Anyone else just feel fallible? <laughs> feel, feel like, you know... I can't even maintain the proper speed limit on the highway. And you're asking me to, 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 to do all these things too? We're imperfect. And yet God still pursues us. We're imperfect. And yet God still creates plans for us. That's his desire, his heart. He wants to be with us. All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Maybe not. This morning, I am going to leave you with the frustration. I, I want to give you some homework. This week, anytime you have a thought, a good thing that you do, you, know, you, you hold the door open for a senior citizen, or you, you walk the nice little old lady across the street on the crosswalk, or you, you stop at the crosswalk and let someone walk across the road. Maybe all the good things that you do. You bought someone's coffee in the car behind you at the drive-thru. Write down all the good things. Keep a list of all the good stuff you've done. Your thoughts, your attitude, your heart. Write all those things down. On the same page on the other side, keep another list of all the bad things, the negative attitudes, the heart condition that you have towards different people the thoughts you have. Aren't you glad this doesn't go on until February 1st with the Super Bowl? Um, all the different thoughts that you may have that are negative, all the different actions that you live out, the choices you make that you know are negative, write those things down too. Keep a list, the good and the bad. The bottom line is we can't keep the covenant. We can't, we break the agreement that God has tried to set with us over and over and over again. You can't do it because we're not perfect. He is, we're not. We have choice. He gave us that free will. And we mess things up time after time after time. My wife and I used to watch Alias when it was on TV. Um, every episode ended, like right in the middle, like, you know, Jennifer Garner is like running um, with, you know, a gun in her hand towards the bad guy or is she going to get away before the explosion goes off and then the screen goes black and the credits roll. Live with that frustration. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.